to catch up and watch some of the Netflix series that I hadn't seen for a little bit. Did you guys, anyone get to watch some more TV or some shows in the holidays? Yell out some good shows that you're watching at the moment. What was that? <laughs> what else are you watching? Breaking Bad? The Walking Dead? Okay. All righty. Well, it might just be my family, but I have a suspicion that it's others as well. Uh, when it comes to the viewing of television, there's often an argument at what we might put on each time. Because as you guys probably have in your families, we all have different tastes in our Netflix watching. So my brother, for example, he really likes anime. And the rest of us, we can't stand that most of the time. My mum, she really likes a good medical show that's got blood and guts and stitches. Uh, myself, I am a little bit of a nerd, so I love a good documentary, um, especially especially if there's a serial killer. That's my favorite. And then my sister and my dad, they love a good rom-com. So. And so as I was watching Netflix in the past couple of weeks, I started to reflect on how TV watching has changed since I was a teenager. Back when I was a teenager, we didn't have access to all the episodes in a series like you guys have today. When I was a teenager, I had to wait a whole stressful week to watch the next episode of Bondi Rescue or Pack to the Rafters, right? <laughs> but now, you guys have it a bit differently, don't you? Now, if you're watching Netflix and you finish an episode, You've got 0.3 seconds until the next one comes on. You've got to grab the remote, right? Or you're sucked into it for the next eight hours. Yeah. We've gotten used to this change, haven't we? We get, we, we get used to this change on Netflix where we get access to every episode at the same time. We get access to the whole story from the start. And now that's a bit of a silly example, but this term, we're going to be thinking about the Bible kind of like a series with episodes. And the good news is, just like Netflix does, except for a couple of the new shows which are changing, God has already released all the episodes of the greatest story ever told. He's given us all the parts. He's given us how the storyline fits together. He's given us the beginning, the middle, and the end in his word. Now, this story is the story of Jesus Christ. It's the story of how Jesus Christ has come to the world to save sinners. 
Now, this term, we're going to be looking at large chunks of the Bible, as Sam said. So we're going to have less of a focus on an individual passage to give you guys an understanding of the whole story of Scripture. And so that means it's going to be really important that you guys are here every week because otherwise you're going to miss parts and it's not going to make sense to you. And so we've taken this framework, God's Big Picture, from a book uh, by Vaughan Roberts. And so he's going to help us understand how the Bible fits together. So we're going to do some Bible basics on our next slide. The Bible is one book. Now, there are 66 smaller books within the Bible written by over 40 human authors. And it's divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. But it's also one book written by God. God used his spirit in these 40 human authors to write exactly what he wanted to write. There's no errors in the Bible. There's no mistakes. All that the Bible says is true and it's good for us. And so just like we talk about Jesus being fully human and fully God, we can also say that the Bible is fully written by God and fully written by humans. Real people sat down with paper or parchment and wrote letters and gospels and prophecies. The Bible's one book, it's also, it also has one subject. Now, some of you guys are doing the HSC at the moment, and you're probably going to be triggered if I say ancient history. Um, so the subject of the Bible is not ancient history or English or math. The subject is Jesus. Jesus, when he was walking along the road, risen from the dead, he was talking to some people along the road to Emmaus. And he gave them basically the greatest Bible study ever. In Luke 24, it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was, uh, what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So the Bible is about, the subject is Jesus. Uh, the Bible is also one story. It has one story throughout the whole thing. It's a story about God's plan to save the world through Jesus. This isn't a backup plan. It's not plan B. This is plan A. God wasn't surprised when people turned their own way. The whole Bible is plan A. It's God's plan to save the world through Jesus. And so this term, we're going to look at the Bible through one particular theme. And that theme is the kingdom of God. It's going to come up on the screen now, hopefully. The kingdom of God can be defined as God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And at different points of the Bible, we're going to zoom in on particular snapshots and scenes in the Bible to look at this theme. We're going to analyze it. So, for example, God's people in the beginning of the book of Genesis are Adam and Eve. And then after Adam and Eve reject God and want to live their own way, God's people at that point is kind of no one. Then uh, by the middle and end of the book of Genesis, we meet God's people as Abraham and his family. And later they grow into a nation. And so to help us remember this, Vaughan Roberts has created a little list to help us remember the episodes of the Bible. They're going to come up on the next slide. Um, so he helpfully splits it into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's these different episodes in the Bible. The pattern of the kingdom, which we'll look at today, talks about the creation story, Genesis 1 and 2, how things were meant to be. Then the perish kingdom is how Adam and Eve uh, disobey God and choose to live their own way. The promised kingdom 
That's about looking at the promises God made to Abraham and his family. And the partial kingdom is how some of those promises made to Abraham are partially fulfilled in his family and in Israel, but they're not completely fulfilled in him. And that leads to the prophesied kingdom. And that kingdom talks about the split between the kingdoms of Israel and how they're eventually sent into exile. Then we get to the New Testament and the present kingdom. That's when Jesus shows up. And then we have the proclaimed kingdom. This is after Jesus lived, uh, died, and was resurrected. Uh, It was the time when the church's job, uh, the first churches, our church now, um, their job was to proclaim the gospel. So that's the proclaimed kingdom. It's kind of where we are now in the story of Scripture. And then lastly, we have the perfected kingdom, which is spoken about in the book of Revelation. And it's about when Jesus will return and everything will be perfected and Christians from every nation will enjoy God's place, the new creation, and live under God's rule perfectly and enjoy his blessings. Now we're going to spend about a week of this term on each of those kingdoms and we're going to look at that theme. And so let's turn now to the pattern of the kingdom. Genesis 1 to 2 shows us the pattern of the kingdom of God. It shows us God's original design for the world. It was how everything was meant to be. So God's people are Adam and Eve. Not too hard. God's place, where do they enjoy his blessing? Well, that's in the Garden of Eden. And then finally, what is God's rule? What's it like? Well, the relationship between God and humanity and the world hasn't been affected by sin. So that means that God's rule is perfect relationships where his people enjoy his blessing. So this means that God is in charge and his people are enjoying the blessing, Adam and Eve, of living under him. And the biggest blessing God gave humanity in Genesis 1 and 2 was rest. That was the point of creation. Genesis 2 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All right, so God didn't need a nap. That's, why, that's not why he rested, right? He wasn't tired, but he paused. He stopped. He finished his creating. And the goal was to have perfect rest. In every other day in the creation story, it says there was evening and there was morning the next day, the evening and the morning the next day. But the seventh day doesn't have that. And it's kind of pointing to this idea that God wanted his people to rest forever. Uh, The repeated phrase throughout Genesis 1 to 2 is, it was good, it was good, it was good. And humans were very good. God's goodness was how he We see his goodness in creation. Um, So we're going to focus now on these perfect relationships. And we've got a little diagram to help us kind of think through them. Uh, The first perfect relationship was between God and human beings. In Genesis 1 to 2, God provided Adam and Eve with everything that they needed. A garden to tend, food to eat, community and relationship with each other. 
And he blessed them and he told them to rule the animals and to rule the garden. God also made them in his image, which means he made them to be his representatives in the world. And that meant, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, they were deserving of dignity and respect. Uh, He also gave them a rule that was designed to protect them. He said, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Uh, The second perfect relationship was between human beings. Adam and Eve related perfectly. They were physically made male and female and brought together in marriage. They were made equally to serve each other and do the work of tending the garden together. They were also told to start a family. And Genesis 2 says they um, were naked and they felt no shame about that. Complete intimacy, no fear, no guilt, no secret jealousy. And related to this, they had perfect relationships within themselves and their own bodies. They didn't have shame about being naked. No body shame. They weren't embarrassed if they had pimples. They weren't self-conscious about their weight. No comparison, no jealousy, no anxiety, no depression, no self-harm, no caring about how they looked. That was the way they were designed to be. And that's a great hope that we have because we know that one day we will be restored to this in the new creation when we have new minds and new bodies as well. And lastly, the last perfect relationship we have, uh, they had was between humanity and creation. Now, names are important in the Bible. Names often have a really significant meaning. And you may not know, but the name in the Garden of Eden, as in the Eden part of the name, actually means pleasure or delight. The garden, the creation that God made for his people was beautiful, delightful. It wasn't tarnished or ruined by pollution or anything like that. And Adam and Eve's role in that was to rule. It was to look after the birds, the fish, the animals, tend to the garden. And they were given that responsibility by God. And so they were to be his representatives in the world. Adam and Eve were to rule like good kings and queens who care for their subjects and want the best for their kingdom. So God's people were Adam and Eve, God's place was the garden, and God's rule was the perfect relationships which led to their blessing. That's the pattern of the kingdom of God. It was beautiful, it was restful, it was joyful, it was incredible, and it was just amazing. Now, it was the pattern of the kingdom, but it wasn't perfect. Heaven will be better than the Garden of Eden. Somehow, evil still got in there. Spoiler alert for next week. Somehow, humanity chooses to break their relationship with God. Somehow, all this beautiful stuff is broken. And so the question I want us to consider tonight is, do we long for this reality? Spiritually, do we long for perfect relationship with God, with the world, with others? Spiritually, do we long to be back in the garden? Do we long to be God's people in God's place under God's rule? Because I have a suspicion that we've become so absorbed in our earthly comforts and our earthly pleasures that we might actually prefer our lives right now. Maybe we've become so blinded to the things of God that this desire is far from our minds. 
Maybe we're so stressed about the HSC and getting good grades that our Bibles are at the bottom of the shelf. Maybe we're so concerned about fitting in and having a relationship that we couldn't possibly think about eternity. Maybe our lives are so filled with screens and entertainment that there isn't any room for prayer. Are you worshipping the gifts rather than the giver? Are you worshipping the created instead of the creator? Are you worshipping the material rather than the maker? We should long for that perfect relationship with God where we don't have to apologize or even worry about sin because it didn't exist and our hearts would be filled with love and worship and awe for God. We should hope for this. We should long for it. And sometimes it's only the struggles in life that wake us up to that. Sometimes it's the pain that makes us long for that good relationship with God. Sometimes it's only when we're on our knees and our idols have been taken away that we can come to Jesus, that we can come to him and um, pray that he will redeem us and save us. So just to recap, we've said that the Bible is one book that's both written by God and written by people. The one subject is Jesus, and it's one big story about Jesus coming to save the world. We said that Genesis 1-2 to are the pattern of the kingdom, but it's not the perfect kingdom. And we've said what it looks like to live under God's rule. It's a beautiful thing with perfect relationships. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head into our small groups to discuss this passage a little bit more. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us your word. Thank you that you show us who Jesus is and what the point of our whole universe is. Thank you that you sent Jesus to save us. And thank you that you give us ways that we can look deeply into God's word and people like Vaughan Roberts who have given us this way to think about understanding it. And we pray that this term you would help us to dig deep into God's word and give us knowledge that we might love you more, that we might love your son and obey him. In Jesus' name we pray.